My name is Guy. Sunday should be warm and sunny, just a scattering of drive-bys. And I live in paradise. I've got a best friend. This is the greatest cup of coffee of all time. Uh-oh! Mondays, am I right, Joe? You said it, Guy. Yeah. And I work at the bank. Everybody's out of the bank! I thought I had everything I needed. But then I met her. Everybody down on the ground. Everybody except you. Me? It's just a... Oh, please, I have a goldfish. There's something inside you, guy. I don't want something inside me. I expected you to just follow the rules, but you are so much more than that. Put these on. Okay. Fine. I do. Oh, my God! What are these, trick glasses or something? Guy, there is no easy way to say this. This world, it's a video game. You're not real. We stop my oh, And the guy responsible for this world was going to destroy it. You've met God? Yes, he's an absolute troll. Trolls exist. Buddy, if we're not real, doesn't that mean that nothing you do matters? I am sitting here with my best friend trying to help him get through a tough time. Now, if that's not real, I don't know what is. I know this world is just a game, but this place, these people, that's all I have. So I'm not going to be the good guy. Thanks, guy. I'm going to be the great guy. Well, enjoy your lifetime supply of virginity. <laughs> Off you go. This whole good guy routine is ruining the game. Woo! Terminator. It's the first time I've ever driven a car before. I really wish you'd mention that. Yeah. Yeah. That actually hurt my hand. We can save our world, but we have to fight together. Welcome back. You are listening to Joygasm, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, he's Steve, and it is the NPC's turn to save the day in episode 237 today, August. What is it? August 19th? I was going to say the 17th, but it's actually August 19th, 2021. We're going to be getting right into our topic of the day, which is the Free Guy movie review. But before we do, Make sure you high-five that subscribe button. Maybe goose that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm, which drops once a week, every week. <laughs> Steve, oh, and before we actually get into the nitty-gritty of things, I just want to throw it out there. This is a spoiler alert. So we are going to be going right into spoiler territory here. If you haven't seen the film... You may want to consider holding off. Otherwise, let us resume. Sorry to cut you off there, Steve. I, I, I'm trying to get used to like being good about that. You know, mm. appreciate that, Russ. Absolutely. Um, you're wearing a semi shade of blue. Oh well, some might even say perhaps it's purple. Mm. Looks Violet, indigo, maybe. Not too NPC, but my shirt's a little bit blue. Yeah, you got, you got, you got, well, even yours, you know, I, I must say yours has a little, while it does have a little bit of blue, it does have, uh, you know what? I think you have a little hint 
a little something something in there that's similar to my color of my shirt. Nah. I don't know about that, Russ. If I look real hard, I think I see it. (laughs) (coughs) Excuse me. A little uh, something get down in the back of my throat there, Russ. Apologize about that. Hey, you don't need to apologize. I understand. (coughs) It's just your spit trying to come up and say hello. Yeah, say hello to the viewers. Mm -hmm. Hi. Anyhow, yeah. So, but yes, yeah. to to answer your question, yes, I thought it'd be appropriate to wear this shirt, considering the fact that we are re- reviewing the movie Free Guy, sure. and this is the one shirt that made me think of it, where it says, you know, what doesn't kill you gives you XP. I mean, could that be any more fitting for Free Guy, Steve? <laughs> Possibly, yes. Although I think he got XP whatever he did. You know, that's actually a good question because he obviously was not aware of gaining XP until he was made acutely aware of the fact that he was level one. Right. So leading up to that point, he was doing kind of the repetitive things over and over and over again, but he actually wasn't gaining any experience. It was like when he broke out of his mold, then all of a sudden he was, but I think when he broke out of his mold, he was still, I mean, he was kind of like groundhog day in a sense where, you know, he had to kind of learn the moves and everything what people were doing on a daily basis. And then he would wake up and then try it again and, um, you know, rinse, wash and repeat. And then when he got it right, of course, he was gaining a level. Well, we actually, we actually don't know what, what kind of levels he was gaining because he just kind of went in the mirror and went like, okay, check. I'm at level 13, you know, because I did certain things. Maybe it was, maybe it was. What didn't kill him actually earned him XP. Oh, there you go. Exactly. The longer he stayed alive and uh, was able to do it. But even when he died, I think he did. It's not like he lost his XP when he died. It's just, you know. Right. When he broke out of his daily routine, you know. Yes. Steve. <clears throat> I just wore blue because he wore blue. And he was in a collared shirt. It's too bad that you don't have, like, the exact blue shirt that free guy, or just guy is his name. You know what? I probably could have worn one better. But it would have looked weird without a tie, Russ. So I just decided I'd just wear this one. I bet you even have the khaki pants that he was wearing. I have the khaki pants and I have the uh, the, the tie clip. <laughs> I even have that too. But I don't have a color tie that he had. I'm so proud. Yeah. I'm proud don't of you, Steve. I'm proud of you. Thank you. Mm. What a fun movie. It was pretty fun. It was lighthearted, wasn't it? It was lighthearted. Kind of reminded me of a um, modern day Truman Show. If Truman Show liked the movie uh, Ready Player One or Wreck It Ralph or something, you know? I could see that. Yeah, that yeah. makes sense. Has a little bit of that in there. A little bit of that rubbed in. Mm-hmm. Indeed. And dare I say, with all the craziness that's going on in the world these days, it's kind of nice to go to something lighthearted. I find that I'm I'm attracted and gravitating more and more toward the lighthearted movies. It, it, it was kind of like Bill and Ted's movie that we saw was at the end of 2020, right around there. Yes. I mean, we both liked it. It was lighthearted. It, it, yeah. it, it wasn't trying to be something that, you know, was going to be like, I don't know, melodramatic or whatever. It was just, it just, it was what it was. And we loved it. That's true. It was a lot That of is very true. One of the things I wanted to kick off with, Steve, regarding this, this, this whole shebang, mm-hmm. is I want to talk about Ryan Reynolds for just a moment. Deadpool, right, yes. Uh, well, more than that, Steve. I've been a fan of Ryan Reynolds 
for a long time. I think the first movie I saw him in was Van Wilder. Did you ever see Van Wilder? Can't say I have, Russ. <gasps> I know you have the movie. I think the first one I saw him uh, was um, it's either it's either the In Laws or it's that movie with um, it's the 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 Sandra Sandra Bullock. Oh, I where know. He's, he's like the Canadian immigrant, and he's working over here. And then Sandra Bullock is his, is his boss. Is his yes. Yeah, I, I, don't, I don't remember the name of the movie, but I remember the movie itself. And Betty White's in it too. Yeah, yeah. right. <laughs> yeah. That was the first time you ever saw Ryan well, I, Reynolds? I, I forgot which movie came out first. It was either that one or it was The In-Laws that I saw, which was pretty funny. I forgot which one came out first, but I remember him being in that. I think it might have been The In-Laws. Okay. Well, so what I'm getting at is Ryan Reynolds accelerates. He excels at romantic comedies, which is fantastic. Like, if I think about the various films he has starred in, he was in Van Wilder, romantic comedy. He was in Just Friends, one of my all-time favorite romantic comedies ever. It's just, it's hilarious. Even Blade 3, even though that wasn't a romantic comedy, if you recall, he had a relationship with the female vampire. Like, like they totally had you know, uh, some sort of like relationship in the past and then they just hate each other. They despise each other. It's almost like an old couple that like just can't stand the side of each other, but they, they constantly throw quips at each other, that sort of thing. Um, and then I think of, I mean, Deadpool, Deadpool is arguably a romantic comedy. Now it is, it's yes. incredibly violent, but at the same time it's, I mean, at its heart, it is a romance. It's a romantic it uh, rom- romance movie. Kind of an action romance comedy. Indeed. Indeed. And this is no different. When, when you think of Guy and you think of the, the overarching story at its heart is once again a romantic comedy. And huh. I think it's great because there are other movies that try and replicate what Ryan Reynolds is capable of. And I feel like they, they constantly miss the mark. What do you right. think? Yeah, maybe, perhaps, but I do want to jump in. In case you haven't seen the movie yet, that's what Ryan Reynolds' character's name is. It's just Guy. Guy. So when we're referring to Guy, we're not referring to, like, the guy, like Guy X, but (laughs) he's he's an NPC in this world, non-playable character uh, who has a routine life, and his name tag is Guy. No first name, no last name. Well, it is his first name. Oh, he has a last name, no rest, but uh, that's his first name. That's the name he goes by throughout the whole movie. So, Guy. Well, and it makes sense, too, because he's an NPC, right? NPCs, traditionally speaking, are forgettable characters. They're not meant to have necessarily some sort of memorable name, although I will say, in some instances, some NPCs do, in fact, have memorable names, such as, you know, like Sea of Thieves, for instance. You know, there are several NPCs that have... Uh, fun yeah. names associated with them, but they were trying to drive home the idea that these NPCs are forgettable. Their background, their wallpaper, essentially, which is why his best friend's name is Buddy. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> what did you think of Buddy? I thought Buddy was cool. I um I liked how they had 
kind of their own little lives going on. Um, I mean, I was supposed to be, you see that later in, in the movie where the AI is just kind of constantly developing when they can, when they break out of their roles. Right. And so, uh, I mean, buddy was a, you know, a happy dude, of course, you know, you have to have a happy dude with the name of buddy. And his happiness was infectious. I felt like, yeah, like, he was just such a, a fun, loving, happy, loyal friend, you know? Yeah, for sure. And he was funny. You know, he's, he was a good guy. Um, but yeah, when he and Ryan Reynolds were on screen, it was, it was definitely a good time. Yeah. I, I like that a lot. Did you, did you feel bad when, uh, he got zapped? Um, I didn't, I, I feel like I didn't have that emotional connection with him when he got, uh, when he got zapped and kind of faded away, uh-huh. you know, um, Avengers, uh, <laughs> style but oh yeah the Thanos <laughs> snap um actually I think they made reference to that and didn't they there there was something in there yeah where they did make I can't remember towards where, the end I I think he when when Ryan Reynolds or guy is trying to get away from the dude well his I think his official name was catchphrase right I don't, well, they said launch the dude because like, yeah, launch dude. Yeah, I guess each one because then he comes in and he's like, catchphrase, you know, like, they're like, oh, we didn't have time to change that name. But it actually sounds kind of cool. Um, but when he was rolling away and, and, and trying to escape from getting demolished, I think he was thinking of Marvel stuff because I heard him say like, oh, Thanos snap or something. I'm like, hmm, what was that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was a lot of fun. So going back to the idea of it being romantic comedy, we know that there is to be expected like a whole lot of comedy throughout, right? Like, like we see several instances of just different ways of poking fun at gamers and video games themselves and that sort of thing. And Ryan Reynolds, of course, is just, he's fantastic to be able to watch and, and him do basically do him do his thing. Right. Right. The thing, though, is that that almost acts as a rapper um, or even a vehicle to the romance part of it, which I thought was really cool. Like, like it, I, when, when going into it, it was neat to watch the journey of what unfolds. So, like, we, you know, we, we get to know who Guy is as an NPC. We get to understand what his daily routine is and rinse and repeat that over and over and over again. And then he meets the girl of his dreams and totally is infatuated with her, falls for her, uh, tries to get to know her, that sort of thing. And um, all the while, not realizing that he himself is, like he's not self-aware. It's interesting because the NPC itself is designed to be like this organically evolving AI. And at the same time, it hasn't gotten to the point, he has not had any kind of self-discovery that, oh, I am artificial intelligence. I'm an NPC. I don't actually exist in the real world. He thinks this is the real world. Right. Which is kind of funny because the real world for him is, you know, fast cars moving around with machine guns and, and <laughs> you know, fighter jets and helicopters running into buildings and shooting stuff at, at, at people and you know, I guess common day video game violence, yet this is the real world. And yeah. he's just happy-go-lucky throughout. He doesn't know any better. He thinks right. this is, in fact, the real world, which is crazy because I felt like the the filmmakers did such a good job of demonstrating how freaking violent some of these games of today are. Like, I mean, I was... Okay, I work in the games industry. 
I absolutely love video games, but what's crazy is like, I'm watching this movie and there are scenes that I'm just like, Oh my goodness, that is horrific in the background. And then it just instantly transitions to him just like kind of walking down the street with a smile. It's it's this funny contrast that's going on with that. But anyway, I don't want to digress too much on that. Going back to the, the romantic side of things. I really liked the romantic part of the plot. Um, in terms of it being just this more original idea, this original approach to the the kind of the love story, right? And we come to to find out that um, Guy as an NPC was actually created to be a love letter to Keys, and Keys is the or, the, or the to, to, main... to Millie from Keys to Millie. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Thank you for saying that. <laughs> you got a little uh, switch for that. <laughs> To Millie. So um, that was actually really cool as well in the sense that here you have a guy who's a programmer, kind of nerdy, he's a gamer, you know, um, the, the gaming community is filled with real life folks who are very imaginative, are very curious, have a fun sense of humor. And to a, to a large degree, um, you know, they, they are romantics at heart in their own little ways. And there are lots of fun stories that have been revealed as to like how the, how different folks who are gamers propose to each other or how they started dating and that sort of thing. It's a very sweet thing and that I find to have unique traits unto gamers. So it was cool that they decided to look more into this. And I thought it, it was so cool how we didn't know that as viewers until like three quarters of the way through where like you like like for me, I felt as if like okay, he's he's an NPC. We're we're understanding he's part of this this overarching uh, evolving AI, so on and so forth. But then they started to drop little hints of of things like you know she loves bubblegum ice cream, he loves bubblegum ice cream, uh, she loves um, swinging on a swing set, he loves swinging on a swing set, and um, it was interesting in the sense that for a while I was wondering, okay, what's going to happen in terms of this, this budding relationship between guy and Millie. What do you think of that whole process? I, I I like how it unfolded, but I mean, they, they dropped a pretty big nugget early on for me when they were showing the, the history of these two gamers making this thing. And you know, they were talking and they had some chemistry and the reporter mentioned it. She says, Oh, you know, you guys, you, know a lot about each other oh is there some chemistry going on here <laughs> and hit nudge nudge wink wink right and he and he's like oh, no, no, no there's nothing going on. yeah that, that, no, you know that, that that was definitely a, a big hint so yeah i thought well i mean they put that in there for a reason so um it would be a surprise if it didn't happen like somehow she got like sucked into the game or something you know and they wound up in this digital sims world like all together right yeah um but then you know me and it, it's not that much science fiction. <laughs> so, um, but it does beg the question in terms of where the plot was going, because clearly he was absolutely in love with her and she w- was starting to have feelings for him as well. Like, right. I mean, it was crazy when I think about the, the kiss in the scene where like, you know, she, as a player, she has no functionality to be able to like, 
cause her character to kiss him, but he, because he lives in the world, he can, he has like free will. He, he has a whole lot more range and animation, if you will. And so that was a lot of fun to see that. And you can see how touched she was in the real world. She was like, Oh my goodness. Like, like this is like, you could tell like she was having like, like this, this ro- like a moment conflict of feelings. Like, wait, this is, this is an NPC. Why do I feel so much for this guy? <laughs> and so that, that was really interesting. Um, and then it goes from there over to how the NPC. Okay, so so that was cool, and then it goes back to the uh, the idea where um, we, as the audience, begin to basically understand earlier and earlier that like um, Keys has feelings for her that 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 he loves her and everything. And and um, what I thought was so cool, I've been really looking forward to to picking your brain on this part is when she went back into the world, she was um, trying to figure out how to break the news to Guy in terms of like how they could never be together and, and that sort of thing. And I loved how they flipped that kind of moment into this new opportunity where it was it was like Guy as an NPC, as artificial intelligence literally a byproduct of him organically evolving was being able to understand the situation and understand his place in the game and understand how like they can never be together. But furthermore, understand like the very reason why he exists is that he is in fact that love letter to her. And I thought, man, that was like such a cool approach. What'd you think? Yeah. I, I, I didn't know how that was going to go, uh, honestly, cause she came up and, and, and to him and started talking and I thought, okay, here's where, like you know, the the sappy moment's gonna be sort of thing. Sure, you know? the 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 obligatory uh, sappy moment, right? Where like you know, she has to say her goodbye, or they you know, not necessarily they have to erase him, but uh, you know, he has to accept like his digital uh, place in life. And and so I thought, okay, please don't cry, please don't like draw this out, sort of thing. And <laughs> and because I would have been like super corny if that sure. was the case. Yeah. And, uh, and so she doesn't, and then, yeah, it, it ended up being this lighthearted, uh, you know, goodbye of sorts, I guess. Well, see, I thought it was mature. Like th- that was the cool thing was like when I watched him, um, say his lines and basically say like what he knew she was trying to figure out how to say to him. Right. And he was able to say it in a way that was so respectful and calm and even loving how like, you know, he still cared for her, but I thought it was the coolest thing because it was, it's almost like a, a new version, like a 21st century version of if you like a girl in class and you pass that very first note that shares how you feel about her and she has no idea that, or maybe like, you know, maybe an inkling about like, doesn't really know your intentions or whatever. And I felt like he, as the NPC, as guy, he was in fact that message that got passed to her (laughs) and he was aware of that. And I thought, man, that's, that is a really original approach to this type of genre, right? Because we're expecting that type of, you know, sappy romantic moment. Sure. And we're like, Oh, we can't be together. Oh man, I just care for you. I'll be here for you always. <laughs> yeah. But so I, I give it high praise because it really, I don't know, like, like I'm glad there wasn't some kind of melodramatic drawn out, you know, they're crying and sobbing. We can't be together. You know, like, like I'm glad they did it in a way where it was like, my goodness, this is, 
there's a lot of maturity and wisdom in that moment. Right. Uh, and, and then I just, of course, loved how when she all of a sudden discovers, oh my goodness, like he's is the one who, who created him and, and guy's the one who's kind of like gently giving her that nudge, like, Hey, FYI, it's not me. Right. It's him. Right. And, uh, and to, to see her uh, run after him for, for the coffee, you know, all of those things, like how guy goes to coffee and gets the two creamers and the coffee and everything. I mean, that's like her kind of coffee that she loves I me. Mean, all of those little things where he takes note of, the, the the different aspects of life that she takes pleasure in and she and he just it, it, you know created this digital summation of all those things and i love too that when they see each other outside like he's at the coffee store she's across the street and they come toward each other i'm glad they also didn't do like the standard you know, camera slow motion rotating around them as they have some sort the of long passionate kiss. kiss. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like uh, to me, it was cool how like they, you saw them to the point where they embraced in the middle of the street and then it was done. And right. I was like, man, that is fresh. I'd yeah. really like that. What'd you think? Yeah, I, I liked it too. I, I, I was kind of waiting for there to be a kiss, but then I thought, you know, that's not really this kind of movie in a, in a way. And so, uh, yeah, when they cut out, I thought it was kind of artistic the way they did it. You know, I maybe I would have liked, no, actually, no, 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 I, would, I didn't want to see a kiss. I, I, I'm good with that, Russ. But, um, yeah, I like the way they did it. I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, no, I, I really enjoyed it. And I think, ooh, excuse me, I had a little bit of the old gas on there. So. <laughs> I really liked how they went about it. And I do feel as though if they, if they went in the kind of more of the standard directions that would have really hurt the film. Right. Honestly. So, well, it would have been a little bit more cliche maybe. Yes. That's a very good, uh, just word. That's a good word, Steve. That's a good word. But along that line, right. It was kind of cliche how they, depicted some of the some gamers out there like i know there's some like very good looking you know gamer personality professional sure. like contracted people out there but like I, I i don't like it when they go to this stereotypical standard like mouth breather kind of weirdo looking gamer people <laughs> like there's no like that's not how they all, all gamers look sure right and that's like kind of the go-to thing because it it, it gets a laugh out of people you know, and I was kind of like, ah, that's that joke's been like, it's joke's been used way too much, you know? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I, I do think that there were a couple of instances of real life gamers that uh, I, I thought were, I mean, despite the fact that clearly they were going for like that type of look and, right. and persona, you know, yeah. um, I really did enjoy like that guy who was like one of the more like superstar gamers who was like eating the Twix and like you see like his, his uh, not doppelganger, but like his character in the game that looks nothing like him whatsoever. But I also thought too, now that, that, that you bring this up. Or is it, I think it was a Twizzler, Russ, not a Twix. Oh, Twizzler is like the red licorice, and a Twix is a small cookie with caramel covered in chocolate. Quite different, if you ask me. You are totally correct. <laughs> <sighs> Thank you, Steve. Sorry to broadside you. No, no. No, no, no. How'd you get your candies correct? I was just reminiscing over how... That's one of the many qualities about yeah. you that I celebrate, Steve. Halloween's so, coming, Russ. It is coming. And you know what? Okay. 
not to go completely off the rails here. You're dressing up. If I had to choose between a Twix <laughs> or a Twizzler, I'm a Twix guy. I love me some Twix. Yeah. What about you? Are you a Twix guy or are you a Twizzler I, no, guy? I like to. You know, Twix actually not sponsored by Twix, but <laughs> a long shot. <laughs> uh, but Twix actually has a dark chocolate version, which is kind of good. Mm. I like it. But if you are just going to chew on some, it has to be probably a Twizzler. Mm. And I imagine when you're playing the game and you're, you're not wanting to get like chocolate fingers. Mm-hmm. You're probably just going to choose a Twizzler. I will make an additional anecdote to that, Steve, and let you know that I have worked with people uh, in the gaming industry who actually would have like one of those cylindrical, see-through plastic, yes, like things Jars. Of, of Twizzlers. Yeah, you know the red uh, Twizzlers coming out, and uh, yeah, that that was that was their candy of choice. Interesting. Where were we? I mean, don't can- know. I mean, Candyland now. <laughs> Okay. Well, we were talking about cliche gamers. Indeed. Oh, yes. Thank <sighs> you, Steve. See, once <laughs> again. <laughs> anyway, what I was going to say is that, so Millie, I feel as though, was more representative of some of the other types of gamers out there that, you know, that they're just normal, everyday folk who like sure. to play games, and that sort of thing. They're, they're not like super nerdy or whatever. And uh, so, so you did have some of that there. I do want to pivot from that over to the like. So, so one of my favorite scenes, and I'm sure it's probably going to be like one of the, the favorite scenes of pretty much anyone who sees this film. Probably is the moment where all of a sudden, uh, dude, aka catchphrase, gets um, uploaded into the the game itself. And there's that whole fight sequence going on. First of all, it was just, it was hilarious to see a roided out looking Ryan Reynolds. Like, like that was like so horrifically funny looking. And, uh, and even when Buddy went up and started to like do his thing, where he's like, <laughs> like just the whole thing. Like, I'm like, oh, this is not going to end well at all for Buddy. But. I kind of thought I, it was funny at first, and then the, the joke kind of just died because they didn't do much with him. I mean, they, they they said, like, the art team goes, oh, well, we're not done with him yet. He's going to have half a brain. And so then that I thought that was kind of cliche, too, because it's like uh, the the muscle-bound character in a game yeah. is usually, like, not the smartest. Like, he's just big and and burly and like, I know how to break things. Yeah. Smash. Not Hulk smash, by the way. But I do think it was uh, cool how like his character, his character wasn't finished. If you recall, like, right. like they were still working on him. So he had certain things that didn't make him dumb in terms of like caveman dumb. <laughs> he had things where he was literally like a work in progress. Like, like he had certain lines, like when he began to say them was like, it, it actually was pretty intelligent. And then it would just kind of turn into like gibberish. Cause he was like, wait, what? It, I, I don't know. I thought that was really funny. I do wish that they did have perhaps a, a few more lines for him to say just because there the few moments where like he did have more stuff to say it got it started getting funnier and funnier and again ryan reynolds is just so capable of delivering stuff <laughs> that's silly uh, in that regard but going from that into um the, the the best moment of the fight which is 
Um, he puts on his glasses and out of nowhere, <laughs> we see him take out the shield and it is in fact legit Captain America. <laughs> you even hear the Avengers theme song yeah. in it. That was so cool. What do like, you think about that? What in the world? Yeah, it just seemed like it was a, a game that somebody hacked a mod in it or something. <laughs> We're like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to play the Sims. <laughs> And the, the Avengers, like, costumes and skins and weapons and stuff are not part of it, but yeah. I've learned how to code a little bit, you know? And yeah. I, now I, I can wield Thor's hammer or Captain America's shield or whatever. That's what it seemed like to me because he's pulled, like, he selected it as a, as a weapon or something. Yeah, he glasses. had his glasses on. Yeah. yeah, he was going down there. Was like, he's like, he's looking for some sort of defensive yeah, mechanism. Right. <laughs> and I love, like, and, and just, they it's, it's like it wasn't even a, like, a hint or, like, something that, like, faintly refers oh, to put it. it way out there, I yeah. mean, they were like, boom, like, like you saw the star, you saw the front of the shield, you heard the theme song. And then the cherry on top was seeing Chris Evans watching the stream. He's like, what the crap? Like, yeah, no like, way. Yeah. Like that was my goodness. Like that was brilliant. I'm so happy <laughs> that they were able to like, I mean, who knows how many conversations they had to have in order to green light that like one dinky little moment, but it was like one of the best moments in the entire movie. Yeah, no, it definitely was one of the best moments. I mean, that was the, the humor in the movie wasn't, wasn't very funny. Like it was a, it was basically a chuckle movie, Yeah, but that segment was probably the funniest part of the movie. And then you, you also saw him use a, a Hulk arm as well, just to right. kind of once again, like, Oh, we're kind of having fun with that. And so then you're wondering, okay, how are they going to top that? And, and even in my mind, I'm thinking about how, okay, that's the gag. Now we're going to move on to the fight. And then he pulls out a lightsaber. Right. And I'm like, what on earth? This is so awesome. And not only that, but they, but, but like you have all these different gamers who are watching the, the stream live and, and they, they kind of like dole it out, right? So they're like, is that a, oh my gosh, it is. <laughs> I can't believe it. That is a lightsaber. And, and I think he even had like some of the star Wars theme music in there too. Just briefly as he starts swinging it. I couldn't hear. I, I couldn't hear if there was star Wars music, I couldn't hear it as, as clear as I could the Avengers music, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was there. Now you were doing research in terms of who was behind the film. And it sounded like you said that Disney actually distributed was a, so they are the distributor of the right. movie Free Guy. So that's where they got the green line because Disney owns all these IPs. Including 20th Century. Uh, ah. And this, and was 20th Century Fox uh, behind? I I don't recall. It was, Russ. I think oh. you walked in like right after that part. Oh my goodness, Steve. Oh my goodness. See, and I want to see more of that. Oh, a whole lot more. Okay, Disney, if you are watching. Or not, Russ. Don't be so sure. <laughs> Do not be so sure. I want to make sure that if the mouse house yeah. is watching our show, keep doing stuff like that because you have all these IPs that are celebrated and beloved. And if you are able to have fun with them in, in this way that act as these cameo crossover Easter egg type of goodness, people are going to eat it up. Just don't overdo it. You have to be clever how you go about it. But this in my book was a win. Don't give me orders, Russ. <laughs> I'll do whatever I want to make me money. <laughs> it's the ghost of Mickey. <laughs> so, Steve, let's go over to... Did you have anything else you want to say about the, the fight sequence? Or was that... Okay. okay. 
Let's pivot over to how they represented the games industry because I thought that was also something interesting mm. seeing as, as how I'm working in the games industry. Oh, you are a gamer as well as, as I. So yes. we have, uh, you know, of course, we an have that in an affinity, a, an, a vested interest if you mm. will, when it comes to knowing what is going on in the world of the games industry. And I felt like there were certain elements that they they were pretty accurate about. I mean, I do think that when it comes to the more like number side, the greedy side of the games industry, unfortunately, it is a reality. And, and we see stories like that uh, with various publishers such as Activision and, and whatnot, where they've been getting into hot water based off of certain types of shenanigans that go on. I did think that that, that, that part was fairly accurate in that regard. So also to like the studio that they were at where they're working, it was a little more like done up. Um, people, at least places I've worked at, um, they, they do have these certain spaces that have kind of that industrial loft kind of look and that sort of thing. This one, they, they did have a lot of glass. I noticed a lot. And, and the, the building was like super huge. And I think there's probably only like maybe, a handful of studios that have that kind of coin. Like I would say Epic games probably, you know, I, I don't know if you remember this story, but Epic games apparently is going to be moving its headquarters into like this abandoned mall. Have you heard about this? No. Hmm. Negative goes right. Well, with the amount of coin that they have been amassing mainly through Fortnite, they are going to be actually, um, having their headquarters exist within some kind of mall uh, mm. in uh, North Carolina. It's pretty crazy there, Steve. That's nuts, Ross. Indeed. Oh, look at that. Cray cray. Look at that guy. Look at How his, you doing? Look at his baby blues. Mm -hmm. We did touch upon the gaming community a bit, but what did you think um, overall, like aside from like some of the looks and that sort of thing, what did you think of, of, of how the, the, the gaming community was represented? I thought the gaming community was... I mean, in my head, fine. Although I think that the one takeaway was uh, Taika Waititi's character. I mm. thought that was a bit overdone. Like you could tell he was like the villain. Yeah. But like, I, I don't know who wrote it, his character. It was way out there. It, I think it was too far out there where he was he was trying to get to the level that he thought like the kids would speak at sort of thing. Mm. Like, Oh, Hey bro, what are you doing? Let me think about it for a minute. You know, so I thought, no, nope, that's, that's not getting it. I mean, he's supposed to be the villain, but his character, I didn't really care for. Uh, yeah. Well, and, and it was intentionally over the top. I mean, like they, right. They, they, they were going for clearly an eccentric uh, character, but in terms of the, of the gaming community, I, I did think it was fun to see like the, the contrast between what the gamers look like versus their counterparts in these games. I did think it was, um, I don't know. I don't know what the right word is, but like I was observing how they focused on the violent part of things. Like it was literally like, like, like GTA, right? Like if you're, if you're in some sort of like multiplayer online GTA game, you're going to have all this mayhem and chaos around you and violence and stuff like that. However, it, one of the things that I think was a bit of a miss was how that was very surface level. 
And what I mean by that is like, even if you play a game like GTA, there is a story associated right. with GTA, not to mention like you have people who are into exploring the world and doing like stunts with their cars in the air. And I mean, it's not just solely like people going around like using bazookas and rocket launchers <laughs> and that sort of thing. I will say that was super cool to see the, the scorpion tank from halo rolling around in a couple of those scenes. That was really cool. Ross. It was, but you got to think that, I mean, it, it's kind of a, a mirror of the gaming society in a way where you, you, you saw you, some teabagging going on. You saw teabagging <laughs> going on. I mean, like the toxicity was on full display yeah. and I mean, that's just kind of how it is for good or for bad. Um, I mean, you're going to have people that are going to, you know, see you as like griefers, a, a noob, or they're going to see you as low level. They're just going to have fun, like taking you out every single game that you're in and causing your frustration. And that's the amusing part for, for their reason to play. Yeah. So, uh, I mean, it, it just kind of is what it is, but I will say though, I, I did appreciate how the peop, how the gaming uh, industry or the gaming community appreciated like all the good deeds, like yes. you know, totally different kind of reversal in a way of like you know, okay, instead of doing the body count and destruction count, it was okay, who can you know save the NPCs or who can do the many good deeds or who can um, you know be the the good guy. Of sorts, and that's what got him experience, and that's what got him popularity. I thought that was a different approach for it, and that part as well is worth touching upon because the gaming community is one that is proactive. Thank you. But when it comes to the gaming community, if you think about the real world issues, mm. or even like so, okay. We think of, of, of gamers, you know, not only in, in the United States, but all over the world, right? Like, like there is the, this, this commonality that happens that, that unites folks. And I think it, it is one of, one of the very cool things about the gaming community where like, if there's a novel idea, like a, a super creative novel idea for a game and the gamers themselves, like, like we have these gamer instincts where it's like, whoa, this is, this is something that hasn't been done before, or this is something that, that was executed in a way that like had missed the mark in the past and gamers will reward the developers for that. It's really cool to see that because they, they lavish uh, that particular studio with praise and they have all these ideas that they'd like to be able to share with the studio. Hopefully they get made. And at the same time, there's also this, accountability that exists overall within the gaming community too. So like if a studio is not on the up and up in terms of being fair with the gamers, if they have some sort of like shady pay to play uh, type of scheme in their game, or basically if the gamers feel as though they're being taken advantage of or cheated, then they become very vocal and they like the mob is essentially turns on that particular studio. But this is a very healthy thing because it's, an attempt to keep the folks um, honest and 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 pure in the sense of they want to be able to have the best gaming experience within this world in this genre as possible. And I think that that is something that I think is pretty exclusive if you think about it to the gaming community because I can't really think off the top of my head of another industry that has that. Can you? I can't honestly. No, I I mean. No. Well, it got me thinking of 
like Sonic the Hedge the Sonic the Hedgehog movie, but that that was more like Hollywood. But the gamers kind of got behind that. I mean, so it was kind of the same community you know, of sorts. So well, they got Sonic changed. That, I mean, right, they got, that yeah. was the biggest thing. Was like I think that's actually a, a wonderful example no, of thanks, where right. like you see, you, you see a crossover event <laughs> taking place where you literally have the gaming community who will be the ones who will either make that film a success or a failure. And they were able to, to step over and thankfully the, the director was receptive. Sure. But it was a very rare instance where as the movie was being made, the, the gaming community said, no, you've got to fix it. This is what you need to do. Otherwise this movie's going to fail. We're not going to see it. And they did it. And the film ended up being like one of the best films of the year right both commercially and artistically yeah that's right mm -hmm. so yes i love my gaming community you are all so awesome mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. pivoting once mm -hmm. more steve oh once more one more time i want to talk about the evolution of an npc steve okay russ that sounds very psychological and in depth let's let's go for it when it comes to npc steve uh-huh you and I have encountered many an NPC, whether it's in an RPG or it's in a racing game huh. or it's in an action adventure game or a first person shooter. It does not matter. Mm. NPCs are around. Mostly RPGs, I would say. In the tavern. Mm-hmm. Indeed. Eating, drinking, hanging out by the fire, walking by buildings. Do you feel as though NPCs have evolved over the course of your gaming career or do you feel like there's been uh, not enough to really make them into something more realistic? I would say they have evolved, maybe not that fast, but um, they used to just be filler, I mm -hmm. guess, uh, to make the environment look more like an environment or an atmosphere. Yeah. So, but then as time, you know, progressed and then, you know, people can write more, coding, I guess, in games, or there's more room to write sure. more coding, I guess. Uh, so you could walk up to an NPC and the NPC would recognize you and either like, you know, avoid hitting you or if you run into them, then, you know, they treat you differently. Um, or if you enter <laughs> a fight with them, they're going to like fight you at the same like, oh my gosh, you know, sort of thing. Um, or depending on how you play in the game and, uh, you know, your, your reputation war would precede you and so they would look at you different than if you were to behave and act precede yeah uh you know differently so i would say so i mean it's not i wouldn't say they evolved greatly uh or rapidly because again they're, they're just filler and you don't play the game to interact with the npcs necessarily um you do so to progress through a mission if you have to. They act as guides if, if like you're trying to figure out what you're supposed to do or where you're supposed to go or even like if you go to like, you know, a store to buy something, you have an NPC you interact with. I think that NPCs, so so one of the games that comes to my mind is Red Dead Redemption 2. I was thinking the same thing, Ross. So good. See, great minds think alike. But when it comes to Red Dead Redemption 2, uh, that was the first time where I, well, not really first time, it's the most recent time I'll say where there was a noticeable bump in the way that the gamer interacts with NPCs because up until that point of playing that game, if I was playing say the Witcher three mm. or, you know, something else uh, that's kind of the equivalent, I have been conditioned as a gamer to just kind of run through the village, run through the town, run through 
uh, wherever I'm at. And if there are NPCs that are kind of going through their little routines, their little system routines and stuff, um, I, uh, didn't, didn't really think much of it. Like the only time that there was a moment where like I found myself wanting to interact was because I had to find like an NPC that had something, I some item of importance that I needed to get or a, a mission I needed or something else. Red Dead Redemption 2 though, like I remember first going to my, oh, going to my first town in the game. Uh-huh. And I, once again, I'm just like running and I'm like not even caring. Like as I bump into NPCs and stuff and the NPCs took offense. It was the, it was the coolest thing because that suddenly like expanded that part of my gaming experience. I'm like, Whoa, I have to watch where I run. I can't just like tear through and, and like, you know, you know, be a football player and, and not care about like my behavior in these areas. And it was crazy because like, so like you, you, like you mentioned this where like, if you seriously knock someone over, they may want to fight you. Right. Or like if you knock a woman over and then she scoffs at you, she's, she's upset or Call whatever. The cops. I'm like, wait a minute. I, I didn't mean yeah. to. <laughs> I thought you were just an NPC and you, you, nothing would happen. But I like how like there's, there is consequence when it right. comes to that. And, and then, the, and then the, that, that affects your overall reputation. I love right. that system where like suddenly like there is like every, pretty much like anything you do with regards to the NPCs that will determine whether or not you're a paragon or you're, you know, a vigilante, whatever that might be. I would say that, in the way, not with Red Dead Redemption, but in my case, more so with The Witcher, mm-hmm. because like you would have to run through a bunch of different towns and speak to these folks who are barely making it by, and a lot of them have their own personality and their own like voice, you know, that's not like recycled or re- some of them were, but anyhow, regardless. So then, like, if you do the wrong thing or, or say the wrong thing. Uh, mess with the wrong person. Then there's a bunch of violence and then these NPCs are getting slaughtered and yeah. it's a violent game. So it's like you're, you're hacking people's heads off. You might kind of <laughs> cut off a leg and you're thinking, and I remember going like, I need to reset the game because <laughs> I can't have all these NPCs die. I can't have it on my conscience. Sure. I got to go to sleep tonight. And so <laughs> I, sometimes I would restart the game as to not have the NPCs die. Even when it comes to the romantic side of things. So like, you know, like using The Witcher or even Red Dead Redemption. So there are romantic interests that exist in the game. And, you know, to a certain extent, like you may find one, like whether, like if you're using Witcher, you may like Yennefer, right? Um, or you may like like one of the others that, that, that exist in the game. But that comes as more of like as the narrative progresses and you just, and you select certain types of dialogue trees, then that's what can cause a relationship to blossom or, or to uh, just kind of snuff itself out. Mass effect was another game where like they, they had that. But when I, when I think of free guy, it does make me wonder about where the evolution of the NPC is going to go in terms of like where we are in our current gen systems of PS five and Xbox series X, as well as like when we think about the future and we think about next gen consoles, because they're going to continue to get more sophisticated, more capabilities are going to be unlocked. And I think that that's going to be something to keep our eyes on when it comes to NPCs themselves, because we are in fact, I mean, just based on what we were, what we're discussing right now, 
we are seeing more sophistication slowly being integrated into the NPCs. And it would be fantastic if they could evolve to the point where what we saw in Free Guy, where there is this organically evolving AI that based off of like, if you're in an open world and you know, the more time you put into it, let's say you're putting hundreds of hours or thousands of hours into this game that they are self-aware enough to understand what's happening and can also evolve with you as the game goes on. And if that were to happen, I think that the game loop overall would suddenly be something that, that would last a whole lot longer in terms of, of keeping gamers interested and creating value, honestly, because the NPCs, it's like they're there, you know, originally they're there to to exist, to kind of break up the static nature of the world. Sure. But it would be so neat to be able to have that level of depth and freedom where like, you know, instead of having like, oh, this is, this is the character you're supposed to fall in love with and have a romantic relationship with. Like, what if you could literally go through all the different hundreds or perhaps thousands of NPCs throughout this world and you find one and you're able to woo that one person based off of different criteria and that sort of thing. Suddenly it's like, wow, okay, this is becoming that much more immersive. Isn't, wasn't Fable kind of like that though? Fable had certain elements of it where like you could in fact go and I think they had more choices of people who you like you could get married to and then have a house. Sure. But then it was like the journey for that kind of ended at that point. It's like you, you, you marry this person and they now they're living in this house that, that you bought and you can go visit them and stuff. But that was about it. Like there really wasn't anything else yeah. to do. Like to me... I want to go on adventures with, with this character, you know, like, like basically have like, like a blue sky situation where anything is possible, but I don't really know like when that's actually going to occur. Yeah. Well, you gotta be patient for that. Steve, uh, could you please give us your concluding thoughts and rating of the film free guy? I would say to kind of give it a nutshell, Russ, I would say I would give this movie a three star. Oh, he went for the rating first. I went for the rating first, Russ. I'll tell you why. Um, there was a lot of advertising for the film that was like, you know, Yo, it's going to be great. It's going to be funny. And you got to see it on the big screen. And I kind of felt that I kind of didn't necessarily need to see it on the big screen. In mm-hmm. a way, I think it was. it's kind of more of a movie for like Netflix or, you know, uh, HBO Max or something. Sure. Um, I kind of, I felt that the, the jokes even though the movie was enter- entertaining, the jokes were pretty flat. Like it, it wasn't, it's not hilarious. Um, it's funny because you, you look at a lot of the Google reviews and people are like, oh, it's hilarious. I'm like, okay, cool. You're glad you thought. I didn't think it was hilarious. I w- it was a chuckle movie. And there were, towards the end, there was definitely more exciting and funny parts. But by and large, it, it it's, it's supposed to be a comedy, but it's not that funny. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that being said, I mean, I think if I would were to rewatch the movie at home, I would probably just fast forward and and and, and see certain uh, scenes, but I wouldn't watch it like from start to to finish. So that also kind of takes some points out because um, you know I I rate on how much I would like to see the movie again, and even though I, I probably would watch it again, like I said, it wouldn't probably be, you know, start to finish. It would probably just be a few select scenes. So, yeah, that being said, I'm glad I watched it. Mm-hmm. I had fun with it. I had mm-hmm. a good time. Um, I did not think it was a waste at all. I was entertaining. And um, so, yeah, I had a good time. 
just good. just not uh, just not funny or, or you know eager to repeat it. But mm-hmm. either way, mm-hmm. thank you for that, Steve. Thank I thought the film was a lot of fun. I th- I like the lighthearted quality of it. I'm glad that it was a romantic comedy and that it, it didn't like neither side took more precedence than the other. It was really well balanced in my opinion. I really am always a fan of watching a Ryan Reynolds movie. It's always a good time. And this is no slouch in my opinion. I also love that it takes place in a video game world. Again, as I mentioned in, in on this program, um, I love video games. Steve loves games. Uh, I work in the games industry. So it's, it's, it was uh, another like element of interest when it came to the overall story of this. And I found the, the romantic side refreshing. I thought it was a lot of fun. It was a very um, endearing, um, insightful kind of, oh, kind of approach to like a story, like a classic tale that has been told many, many times in the past. I do really like, too, the idea of an NPC and what they were able to do with it. I do wish that perhaps there was a bit more exploration of that, but I think it may be challenging in terms of how they go about doing it just because, like, the movie Her, which I'm not sure if you've seen that. I've seen it. You've seen it. Um, The movie Her is one of those that actually goes a whole lot deeper in terms of like kind of the the psychology of having an AI that you could possibly have like a relationship with and that sort of thing. But I I, I don't know. I just, I I found a lot of fun. I agree in the sense that it's not a film that I'm going to be watching tons of times. I'll probably watch it here and there every once in a while, that sort of thing. But I recommend it. I think it's a lot of fun. And I too give it three stars, Steve. All right. Yeah. Ah, back to balance. <laughs> that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this episode, we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll gain exclusive perks and early access to the show, not to mention it continues helping us do what we love to do. Also, make sure you caress that subscribe button and poke that notification bell. That way you will not miss a single episode of Joygasm that drops once a week, every week. And by the way, you should also do a search for Joygasm TV on your social media platform of choice. You can also do a search for Joygasm TV on Twitch to see us stream our gaming adventures live every Wednesday night at 9.30 p.m. Central Time. We will look forward to seeing all of you again next week when we review... The Privilege Game. We'll see you then.